4 o'clock this morning, didn't want to tell my wife this until I was behind the pulpit. Uh, <laughs> I got a text from Pastor Bill Wilson, my dear friend. And, uh, you know, he's had his, his challenges over the last few years with... Uh, open heart surgery, and uh, got shot in Syria here just a few months ago, and he's been recovering from that, along with a, lot, a few other things he's had to deal with. And he texted me this morning at 4.02, and he said, how are you holding up? Is he, and, uh, and then he says, have a good one. So I sent him a little picture of the empty tomb, and I said, I'm going to the pulpit today. It's Easter. And... Uh, he said, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yes, here we go. Amen? Are you ready for the word? Uh, praise the Lord. So, let's stand for the reading of God's word in Matthew 28. And here's what the scripture says. Verse number one. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. It's an amazing statement of authority, because, you know, Jesus was wrapped in about 100 pounds of encasement related to aromatic uh, spices, and uh, had the consistency of cement around his body when that all dried cocooned. He was wrapped tightly, three separate linen cloths, total weight with all the spices and everything added with about 100 pounds. He's encased in that, became hardened around his, his body. He rose up through those clothes, through that encasement, through that cocoon. And how bold that the angel of the Lord rolls this one and a half ton stone out of the way by himself and sits on it and declares, take a look. He's out of here, okay? It says, his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And, and the guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where the body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. How great. It's true. All of it. The evil dark empire of Satan was crushed on that Easter Sunday morning, the underworld who had sought to destroy him, and the triumphant Son of God, morning star, rose with healing in his wings. 
So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. He is risen. And welcome to the most wonderful celebration of the year, Easter Sunday morning. We celebrate together the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. More than 2,000 years ago, God's plan for the redemption of the human race was enacted. He altered history on the first Easter Sunday morning. And the power of sin and death was broken through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first Easter. Death was defeated. We sang it this morning. True life spiritual life, God's life triumphed. And today, as we have come out of Holy Week remembering all that Jesus has done for us, we we restarted with last Sunday, Palm Sunday, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the extraordinary events that went, went on from that point forward in his giving of his life for the redemption of our sins. It's above and beyond human understanding And then we come to the day of his crucifixion. And instead of looking down and past with sorrow in our hearts and defeat, we hold our heads high in order to focus on the cross and came alive because of the life that Jesus was giving for us. And today on Easter Sunday, we celebrate his life. Jesus is alive and through his resurrection... We come alive to his power to change our lives, to transform each one of us into a new creation. Power to change is what Easter brought to us. And you might think, well, I don't know if I have the power to change. I just don't know if I have the power to change my attitude or my outlook on life. Or I don't know if I have the strength to continue in my marriage. Or I don't know if I have the ability to break free of this addiction I don't know if it's possible to truly forgive the person who hurt me so deeply. I don't have the power to love my enemies. I don't know if I have the power to live the life that Jesus has called me to live. I don't know if I have the power to change my life. The good news today is that we don't have the power to change or transform our lives, to become a new creation and to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. That's why we needed a Savior And that's the good news of Easter. Then you'll wonder, how in the world could that be good news? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth in the flesh, lived among us to show us how we were to live. And then he took our sins upon himself, died on a cross. He defeated the power that sin and death held over us as he rose from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning. And as a result of the resurrection, every person who has received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior now has the power of God within them, not only to change their life, but to live a victorious and abundant life. That's what Easter is all about. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who was actually a persecutor of early Christians, imprisoned them, had them beaten and put to death. He experienced a radical life change through an encounter with Jesus. And he knew that his life depended on Jesus in the power of the resurrection. Listen to what he says. 
I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That was the goal of Paul's life, to know Jesus, to know the power of the resurrection in his everyday walk. Paul's ability to get through every day was dependent on Jesus and his power living through him. And Paul wanted the same thing so badly for his fellow Jewish neighbors and family members. Listen to how he prays then for the church of Gentiles at Ephesus. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now watch, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now gives him the ability and authority to rule over the entire universe, and it's available to you and available to me. The Greek word for power is the word dunamis. Dynamite is our English word. To have the power of the resurrection in your life is to have dynamite power. The apostle Paul said, I want to know it. Give me a piece of that. It's my goal in life to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And he prayed that we would know the same power in our lives. The good news of Easter is that Jesus Christ not only died for your sins, offers us forgiveness today, but that same power that raised him from the dead 2,000 years ago is available to change your life right now. And first of all, what's resurrection power? It's the power to cancel your past, present, and future sins. So many people walk through life carrying around the weights and the burdens of past failures, their past mistakes, their past sins. They become overwhelmed with regret over things they can no longer change. And I'm not talking about denying our sin because the concept in Scripture is that he's canceled our sins. doesn't mean we deny the fact that we sinned. It doesn't, in the sense, tell us that we're not conscious of the fact that we sinned. We, we don't pretend like those sins never happen. Cancel means to eliminate, to remove, or to delete. Have you ever gotten through a project about halfway and you thought, you know, I wish I could start this over. <laughs> this is not turning out the way I planned. Um, I need a mulligan. I have to have a do-over. Many people feel that way about their lives. I just wish I could start over. I've made so many mistakes. And then you see people running around trying to find another opportunity to start over. And some of them pull up their roots and move all over the place trying to find a new way, a fresh start. But the problem is, you take you with you. You don't leave you behind. And I've made so many mistakes. There's so many failures and problems and bad decisions. I, I just wish I could push the delete button and begin all over again. Some people can't seem to let go of their past. And as a result, they let their past control their present and thereby it dictates their future. They live in a constant state of regret. They continually second-guess themselves because they're tortured by painful memories of failure. God says that's unnecessary. You don't have to walk around with a heavy load of guilt, old hurts, and painful memories. Well, how does that happen? 
Listen for a moment to what happened as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Let me say it again. Christ has done away with the record of charges against you by nailing it to the cross. Thank the Lord. And that verse says, He forgave all of our sins. What sin? Well, sin is an archery term. It's bows and arrows. And sin, when you think about it, doesn't just mean to shoot and miss the target with our lives. It means, here's what we did. We turned our backs on the target, and we started shooting in every other possible direction except at the target. We completely ignore the target of pleasing God with our lives. We set our sights on seductive targets that never save us, nor do they satisfy us, and they actually help us to, to, to think more negatively and feel more miserably and empty than we did the day before. And here's the good news. God offers complete forgiveness. He says he cancels every record of the charges against us and forgives them all. And the words that God uses in the Bible to describe how he forgives us are words like blot out, which means he's lifted the letters right off of the page so they don't exist any longer. Wipe out, washed away, cancel. That means our sins are not only forgiven, but God forgets them. He chooses to forget them. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know the sins that we have committed. It just means that Jesus didn't come to rub them in. He came to rub them out. Man, he didn't come to condemn you. He came to change you by saving you from your sins. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. One of my children's favorite toys growing up was uh, called the Etch-A-Sketch. Anybody remember the Etch-A-Sketch? Whoops. You drew something with the knobs. You know, you drew these little pictures. These are not easy to find anymore. They're just kind of around some places, but not everywhere. Etch-A-Sketch. And then when you drew something, you looked at it and you went, ugh. When you messed up, what did you do with it? You flipped it over and you shook it. And you wiped the slate clean. Right? And then you got to start over. The Bible says that God has the ability because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of his death and his resurrection, to take all the messes and the sins and the regrets of our lives and wipe them clean. We get to start over again. That happens the moment we trust him and him alone to become our savior. It gets better than that. Listen to how Jeremiah placed it. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Think about that. 
I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's one of the most amazing verses you'll ever read in scripture. God who made the whole world, who created everything you can see as far as the eye can see it. Listen, he chooses to forget our wrongs, our mistakes, our failures, our sins. And when we come to him confessing our sins and ask him to forgive us, he cancels our past. And for those of you who are here today and you've received Jesus as your Savior, and, and, and one time you were living for him and serving him, but now you're kind of limping along in life and you've kind of fallen back into some of the old ways, the same truth applies very clearly. When you come back to him and confess your sins and you ask him to forgive you, he forgives you, he wipes the slate clean, cancels those sins off of the record. I love the Etch-A-Sketch. Thank God for the heavenly Etch-A-Sketch. Amen. And how can God do this? What's, what's the basis of God's kindness in this matter? How about his forgiveness? Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, the last thing he said from the cross were simple words. It is finished. In the Greek, those three words are actually one word. Simply one word in the Greek, tetelestai. It's one Greek word, tetelestai. And literally it means paid in full, canceled, completed, accomplished. That's exactly what it means. God says that what Jesus did on the cross, he paid for every sin you've ever committed. He stamped paid in full across every one of them. That's why there is no condemnation for us. Jesus canceled our past sins, our failures, and our mistakes. So what is resurrection power? It's also the power to give you a new identity. You're a new creation. What's an identity? Identity is something that defines you. And in our culture, people define themselves by race, by religion, by political party affiliation, sexual orientation, gender. We find our identity in occupation or hobbies or maybe where you went to school or in your looks or appearance or in clothes or in whom you're dating or whom you're married to. Sometimes people have a hidden identity that shapes their lives and their decisions. An addiction, a weight issue, a health issue, living with a label that someone gave you, adopted, divorced, poor, or maybe they don't feel very intelligent or feel unwanted or unloved because of rejection early in life. Identities are so much about what we do or what we've done, our successes and our failures or what others have done to us. The resurrection brought with it the power to change all of that. Because Jesus conquered sin and death, we don't have to be defined any longer by our sinful failures, our past mistakes, or even what others think about us. Our identities are now shaped by God's success in conquering our sinful failures and in his ability to give us a new life. And when we come to God, we put our faith in Jesus Christ alone as our Savior, we receive his gift of salvation 
Look at the names God uses to describe us now. Friend of God, blessed, loved, new creation, saint, disciple, holy nation, royal priesthood. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Best name that anyone could ever label you with. I am a child of God. And because of his grace, he's adopted me into his family. And he says, call me your father. That's our new identity. He says, you're my child. I am your daddy. I'm his. He's mine. And you think, well, how do I know that's even true? And he identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. And what this means is you can let go of any past image of yourself that's not from God. You can stop accepting what others have said about you, how others have labeled you, how that you have labeled yourself, how others have defined you. And you can start believing what God says about you. You are his child. He is your father. That's how he defines you. When you're a child of God, you're no longer defined by your feelings. You're not defined by the opinions of others. Not defined by your circumstances. You're not defined by your successes and failures. You're not defined by the car you drive or the money you make or the house you own. You're defined by God and God alone. And he has identified you as his own. The thing is, if you don't know who you are, then you become vulnerable to other people telling you who you are. But here's the truth. You are who God says you are. And no one gets to have a say in this matter. Only your father. It's a great quote from the pastor theologian Tim Keller. And he put it like this. The only person in the universe whose opinion counts looks at me and he finds me more valuable than all the jewels of creation. Thank you, Lord. Because of the power of the resurrection, you're now identified with Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. He's given you a new identity. He's made a new creation out of us. So what is resurrection power? Why do we celebrate Easter? It's the power to fill you with strength to face the challenges of each and every day. And you're going to have them. Christianity doesn't rescue you from crisis or trouble or challenge. It gives you the power to deal with them and overcome them and be successful in what God's purposed you to do. Here's one of the most powerful truths you'll ever hear about Jesus. We're not only saved by his death, we're also saved by his life. That means the risen Jesus lives inside of us by his Holy Spirit. His divinity inhabits your humanity. That means you face each day in the strength of the risen Christ. And regardless of what happens to you, whatever difficulties you're going to have to face, and we all do, whatever curveball life may throw at you, you have the power to stand in there 
and face it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And think of the prospect of having the risen Jesus living out his life through your life. The potentials for that are endless because he's God. And no matter what he wants to do and thinks about doing can be achieved in and through your life. Now, here's something I learned about life. It's unpredictable. Anybody know that? It's unpredictable. One minute you feel like you're sailing along and everything seems to be going fine. The next moment you're dealing with a crisis. Life is full of stress, heartache, disappointments, setbacks, tragedies, trials. How do you face these moments when they arrive? Twists and turns, roadblocks. You heard from Pastor Brian last Sunday morning, life changed in a moment, and it will, just in a moment. What about life-altering dead ends that you find yourself in? It's the power of the risen Jesus in our lives who sustains us through the Holy Spirit, carrying us with his grace and his power. Listen to how Paul put it. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That means that the Holy Spirit of God, the one who was involved in creation, who hovered over the chaos of our planet and the disturbances on the planet and brought out of chaos calm and creation and organization, the one who came upon the disciples at Pentecost like a mighty rushing wind, the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead has been given to you for daily life. He's in our lives. Amen. He's with us. We have people in our church who've been hit with tragedies. I want you to think how these have been able to make it through them. And worse, the possible situations, some of which no one would have ever thought about or imagined happening to them. And I've thought about, I could make a list that could go on for a few moments of some of the people and some of the difficulties that they've had to face. I think about Trish Moser. I saw her on the platform singing this morning. And I think of the tragedy and the difficulty she faced when her husband George passed at a very young age and wondered, how could something like this happen? I think of Rodney McKenzie back here, his bout with being diagnosed with cancer, then the healing that came. I think of Sister Long and the tragedy she faced several years ago the loss of her daughter and son-in-law so tragically taken by a murderer. I think of Donna and her bout with cancer surgeries. Listen, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, they would not have had the power to handle these things, to have walked through them, the surgeries and the setbacks and the hospital stays and the horrible news that you awaken to 
the many, many dark moments wondering if we can get through this, if we're going to be able to come out on the other side. But because Jesus rose from the dead, because he conquered the grave, the sustaining grace power was there to carry every one of them through all the twists and turns. And his grace is still sufficient for all of us. Amen. Thank God. And here's the great promise. The Bible tells us we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And that nothing, not trouble, hardship, danger, will be able to separate us from that love in Christ. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. How can this be? We serve a resurrected Savior who still operates in resurrection power. And he promises to fill you with the same power to give you strength to face the challenges each and every day. What does the resurrection mean to you today on Easter? For some people, it's just another calendar holiday. Just another ancient event that some don't even know how to define. I heard an interviewer, man on the street last night, interviewing someone in the city about Easter. What happened at Easter? And she looked at him with this, you know, millennial look (laughs) Jesus was born no no okay Easter has devolved into eggs bunnies jelly beans and peeps it's not about the bunny it's about the lamb I've been to the tomb and nobody's home. He's not there. Christ is alive. And many here today are desperate to make a change. And because he's alive, he gives you power to change. That's one of the great aspects, elements that comes out of Easter. He will give you the power to get started and he'll give you the power to keep going. But here's the truth. You can't do it alone. So even though maybe as a child or in your younger years you said, I'm committing my life to Jesus, but then you defaulted back to doing life the way you chose to do it. You didn't allow him to become Lord and director and new manager of your life. You're not going to be able to do this life on your own. You will not do it in your own strength. You don't have the power to do it on your own. You were made and created to depend on Jesus. But some of you can't get past your failures and mistakes. Jesus offers forgiveness. He promises to cancel our sins. I love this. Wipe it off the slate. It's not there anymore. Can't find it. 
He offers you a chance to begin again. And some of you, you feel like a failure or a has-been. My best years are behind me, that you've lost too much. Perhaps your identity has been wrapped up in what you have done or what's been done to you. God offers you the opportunity to have a new identity and a fresh beginning and a new opportunity. He brings you into his family and gives you a new title. Accepted. Forgiven. A loved child of God. And some of you feel powerless over the challenges you're feeling right now. What if you had the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, giving you peace, giving you strength, giving you the ability to face issues head on, the power to change your situation? Because you have a new identity. No longer does the enemy bully you. You get to step up and bully him. And tell him to go back where he came from. Because he no longer has authority over you. The resurrection means that no situation is too hopeless. No problem too big for Jesus. He is still in the resurrection business. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he has the power to change your life. So with that, stand and celebrate him today. And bless him. And thank him for his faithfulness to you. Praise the Lord.